This episode of What's Tech is brought to you by eJunkie. eJunkie offers a no-muss, no-fuss shopping cart solution for the makers of the world. They help you turn your passion project into an online business with their easy-to-use e-commerce tools that support both digital downloads and tangible goods. Plus, eJunkie has the best support staff in the industry. Start using their lightweight, embeddable shopping cart today. Go to eJunkie.com and click Start Selling. And there, enter the promo code TECH, as in what's tech, to get your 30-day free trial. So I want to take you back to Christmas 2013, which might not be the most memorable moment for many of us, but that was around the time when I was talking to one of our fellow colleagues, TC Sotek. And he was complaining one morning about playing too much Dota. Hey, Vlad. Sorry I'm late. Uh, I can't stop playing Dota. And in my infinite curiosity, and not that much stuff to do around Christmas time, I thought, well, why don't I give that a try? I've heard about this game, and I jumped into it. I tried Dota, and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you kept playing. But I kept playing. That was a peculiar thing. It had a very high barrier to entry. It's extremely complex, but I kept going with it. And once you actually do something good in it, it becomes an absolute addiction. When you you say addiction, like, are we talking a a couple dozen hours, a couple hundred hours? A couple thousand hours? Like just a couple or more than a couple? Okay, I'll admit, it's 3,385 at the last count. Oh, wait, you have a specific number. That's right. Steam very helpfully keeps track of these things. <laughs> How generous of them. Okay, well, I think, yeah, I, I think we can figure out w- what this game has done to you from here. Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I am your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant. Today, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Lad Savav. I am so glad that I finally get to talk to you. We've been meaning to do this episode forever. And really, this is an episode uh, that's for me because I care deeply about video games. I've dedicated a large chunk of my life to them, and I am absolutely intimidated by the game that we're about to talk about to the point where I, I feel like I have an inability to learn about it and that game is called dota uh and let's start there as someone who has played uh thousands of hours of a dota game what is dota uh, <laughs> <laughs> a question as easy or as hard to answer as you like well at its very basic level it's kind of um, like a mix of your favorite fighting game and a mix of your favorite role-playing game so let's start with an example I love Tekken for fighting games, right? So you pick your character in Tekken, you jump into a fight, and immediately you have him at maximum capacity. So Lei Wulong can do a drop kick, and if you're skilled enough and you know how to mash the buttons correctly, you can do that drop kick. It's immediate, it's instant, it's there for you. Role-playing games, on the other hand, my favorite, Mass Effect, or Dragon Age, same developer, Bioware, You spend hours, maybe even days, developing your character. Uh, You develop a personality. You develop particular skills. You branch off on different skill trees, etc. And, you know, 
you might start on Monday and by Wednesday and Thursday, you get to the highest level and the highest capabilities. And ultimately your character in the end is unique. You know, some of them are really evil. Some of them have magical spells of this kind or that kind, whatever. Well, Dota and games like it, which are called multiplayer online battle arena games, as a broad term, is taking those two things, squishing them together, and just coming up with something that is amazing. It's like the best of both worlds. I think that's a really interesting top-level description, because I, I recognize both RPGs and fighting games. Here's where I get lost in, you said, multiplayer online battle arenas, or MOBAs for short. When I think of a MOBA, I picture like, okay, there's a map, okay, and there's two teams uh, on competing on uh, either side of the map, and then there are like real people playing the game, but then there are, I don't know, dozens or like maybe hundreds of computer characters also playing in the game. That's right. Is that is that true? Like part of all mobas? Is that the is that kind of the third element, uh, the unique element of what a moba is? Yeah, I mean the thing I would say is unique is exactly its hybrid nature that I just described. But yes, minions are very much uh, an essential element of most games of this kind. But let, let's stick with Dota for the moment. Um, as I say, the appeal for me is the fact that I can jump into a game, and a typical game would last. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe even an hour. And I would have all those RPG elements where I can define my character. I can make it mine. I can choose whether I want to be more aggressive or whether I want to be more defensive. Do I want more armor or do I want more offensive weapons? Uh, but, you know, on a much shorter time scale than an RPG. And at the same time, I get so much more customization than a fighting game. And the appeal of it, the really, the thing that just keeps me coming back is that. It's a team-based game. It requires both tactics and strategy. And because it's multiplayer, I think that is the unique thing. It's never the same. You, you can never have the same match. Even if you get the exact same nine other players, things will break down differently. Like you say, there's a map. There's a whole bunch of uh, stuff going on. You have all these minions who are going from one base trying to attack the other. And really, you and your four teammates, uh, you are well, you're called heroes. Uh, and you have heroic powers. Uh, you know, magical abilities or just being able to punch people really hard at a particular time, and you affect that. So essentially what you get in a game of Dota, one game within the space of one hour, is the grand nature of battles and fighting and changing the world and one side beating the other side. One is called Dire, the other is called Radiant, so you have good and evil. Just condensed you know all the rpg elements condensed into something that approaches a fighting game in its excitement and it's in its immediacy it's interesting i i always thought of uh these games as being impenetrable because of their length because you would have to sit down for 45 minutes at a, at a go i never thought about it as the opposite that it's it's actually a super condensed version of kind of a traditionally 40 to 80 hour experience that's right i mean I have never classified myself as a big RPG fan until I got into those Bioware games that I mentioned. And I feel what I learned there is that customization and being able to always tweak things and to make them your own, personal, is the thing that just keeps me coming back to games. 
like most games, I'm exactly like you. You know, I might spend 20, 30, 50, 100 hours even on one game, but then I would just move on. The reason I don't move on from Dota 2, and I'm not alone in this, there are 12 million people playing it every single month. Usually there is something like 800,000 people online playing it. It is uh, Valve's most popular game on Steam, which is notable when you consider there's also Team Fortress 2. But the thing that keeps us all coming back to it again and again is the fact that there's other human players and the fact that it's there's so much that is within our control. Yes, the game, absolutely. From your outside perspective, the game is impenetrable and it's getting more complex. But that complexity is also the thing that makes it so thrilling for us because it's within our hands. Like every single move that we make can be, you know, the screw up that loses the game for the entire team or can be the game winning play. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's, let's go back in time a little bit. From my limited knowledge, this entire genre dates back to, well, there, there are some, uh, you know, design inspirations, but truly dates back to a mod, a user created, uh, I guess you could say, revision or I, a standalone experience created for another game. Can you kind of walk me through that and the origins of the genre? The origin begins with Warcraft. And that's for Dota and it's for a whole bunch of other games. It began with a Warcraft mod called Defense of the Ancients. The game is now called Just Dota, by the way. It isn't a contraction of Defense of the Ancients. But let's start with Warcraft. What happened was that you had the assets and you had a whole bunch of people wanting to mess around with them, make mods, etc. And one of them was this kind of 5v5. We're going we're gonna to take all of these heroes, going to take all of those heroes, and like I say, minions and defensive towers and turrets and things like that. It will just make it into a deathmatch, essentially. And there have been so many of these. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of people have built and contributed to them. Ultimately, they all kind of coalesced around this defense of the ancients. And the funny thing is, development has been handed off from one person to another. There have been generations of developers picking it up. At the moment, uh, there is one developer who is actually anonymous. Uh, he goes by the handle of Icefrog but his identity is not known and he works at Valve, which took over essentially guardianship of Dota and then it got renamed into just Dota and now it's Dota 2 and it's going through patches and revisions and so on. But now Dota is its own game. But initially it started off as a mod for Warcraft, which in itself you know, was the foundation for World of Warcraft, which is another freakishly addictive game, which I'm really glad I never got into. Yeah, well, you, you've named kind of two companies here, which is interesting to me, because Warcraft is a game owned uh, and created by Blizzard, which is now part of Blizzard Activision. Dota, uh, specifically Dota 2, is owned by Valve, which is uh, an entirely different company. How, how did this thing created by a user for one company's game uh, become a, a separate thing entirely? And a huge thing for another company. Well, you've got me stumped there because I don't, I don't know the specifics of it, but what I do know is that Valve has the rights to Dota 2 now and it has a developer. And in, and, and the other thing with Valve is that it's also very hands-off. It's a very important part of uh, Dota that it, it tends to leave it to the developer himself to make those decisions and to rebalance the game and to make all those tweaks as the game goes along. 
And as the game actually keeps growing in complexity, like I mentioned, it now has in excess of 100 heroes, and each of them has something like four abilities. Some of them have more. and just keeps building and building. So, like I said, I, I don't know specifically how the whole thing got straightened out, but what matters now is that Valve has Dota 2 and guardianship of running it and running all the competitions for it. And Blizzard itself actually has a competitor in a game called Heroes of the Storm, which again deploys a lot of the Warcraft heroes. And that's actually another point is that in Dota, it started with Warcraft heroes, but it, I think because of copyright issues, they had to tweak a few, change a few of the names, change a few of the personalities, etc. I, that's kind of a, a segue into the other options. Uh, these aren't the only two options. There's obviously another large one uh, in League of Legends, but can you kind of walk me through, give me a tour of the uh, available options for someone who's looking into to playing MOBAs, essentially? I mean, the first thing I would say is don't. <laughs> be, be, because seriously, 3,000 hours, I could have learned multiple languages in that time and, I don't know, got on a driver's license or something. But if you if you are hell-bent on developing a relationship with a video game, like I have done, here, here's a breakdown. Dota is the first major option. League of Legends is the other major option. The difference between them and the thing that mainly go for Dota is that you have all of the heroes available right away and you don't have to spend a cent to play the game. right? There, there are a whole bunch of uh, visual customizations, tweaks, hats... You know, you can have special swords for your uh, warrior, etc. You can spend money on them or you can earn them via the game. But generally speaking, you can jump into it right away and nothing is stopping you. With League of Legends, there's more of a selection of champions, they call them, rather than heroes. You don't have all of them right away. You can spend money to acquire heroes, I think. And the other big difference, the one that kind of, again, maybe lean toward Dota, is that it has a more advanced graphical engine. So League of Legends just kind of looks more of a childish game. <laughs> oh my gosh, the comments we're going to get on this episode are going to be crushing. Yeah, what I will say is, when I, as a Dota player, look at League of Legends, it looks juvenile, and I don't understand it. I am like, oh, you're excited about that? Well, fine, whatever, right? And when I watch Heroes of the Storm game, I can see the mechanics, they kind of make sense to me. They're kind of like Dota, but Heroes of the Storm has a much smaller map and much briefer matches. And a lot of my friends uh, from Fox Media, our parent company, guys from SB Nation and Polygon, fellow Dota addicts, some of them have actually made the switch to Heroes of the Storm and they're really happy because they actually have lives now because matches are just so much quicker and easier to play, which is, you know, great for them. But again, just watching it, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, so, and, and that's the thing. I, I think you have the same sensation. You might watch a Dota 2 match and you, you just wonder what is all the hype about. But really, all of these games require you to make some sort of an investment, uh, to learn about it, to get acclimated in it, and to essentially embrace its complexity. Well, uh, let's talk about that. Like, making these games, I guess this genre accessible to someone like me i know that you've played at least one first person shooter that is kind of mixing in the moba genre is is that kind of the future or maybe not the future but kind of a side path 
for the genre, uh, starting to kind of meld with other genres? Yes, I would hope that it is. Uh, I don't think that they need to be mutually exclusive. I'm sure Doctor 2 will continue for as long as people like me are still alive and passing the word along. Because um, <laughs> that's how addiction That's how works. addiction works, thank you. And I don't feel happy about it, I, I, I'm telling you. But yes, I have played Battleborn last year at Gamescom. And Battleborn is a very interesting game because, and it's made by the guys who made Borderlands, so that would kind of give you an idea about it. It has this frenetic style and kind of a cartoonish visual style, but it's cartoonish in, in that amusing adult way rather than in a childish way, like League of Legends, which is junk. I'm joking. <laughs> okay, but Battleborn is really fun because... Again, it's a it's a it's a first person shooter, yes. Um, but and you you're still doing that whole thing where you're with a team. So you have your team of four teammates, and you do have some minions that you need to overcome. And there's all sorts of en- environmental things happening around you. But while you're playing the game, you get an upgrade tree. So every time you overcome, let's say, a wave of minions, you get to upgrade and you get to choose. Am I going to have three rockets or four rockets, or am I going to have two really amazingly focused rockets, right? Am I going to be an assassin or am I going to be a crowd controller? So what's happening with Battleborn and Overwatch is another game in the same kind of category. What's happening with both of them is that they're taking the distillation of the RPG stuff that MOBA represents and then distilling it even further or making it even more accessible. And that progression to me is a very good one because for so long it's been the case that we have really arcadey games where you just like punch, punch, kick, kick, shoot, shoot, whatever, right? And then you have the really in-depth games which take hours and days and whatever else. And we're just kind of hybridizing things and it's moving in the right direction. How how big is the MOBA genre? I mean, how many people are playing these games? What They fill stadiums, right? Yes. Uh, well, like I said, Dota, the past month, we had 12 million active users playing it, Dota 2. Uh, League of Legends is much bigger than that. So again, like I say, in all sincerity, I completely sympathize with everybody else playing uh, League. And I understand that it's at least as addictive. So you've got tens of millions of people playing it all the time. And then you've got the competitive scene. And actually, myself and Sam Byford on the site theverge.com on the internet, we wrote an article where we competed about whether or not esports are sports because they're called electronic sports, you know, games such as Dota and League of Legends because they do bring in revenues that are rivaling professional sports. And they are, at least in my definition of a sport, they they very much match what you get. Uh, So soccer or football is a sport that you enjoy yourself and it's also a spectator sport that you enjoy spectating. And with Dota 2 in particular, again, it's the game that I'm most familiar with, you have massive, massive tournaments. They sell out immediately. Uh, Valve makes some ridiculous sums of money out of selling plushies and actual hats that simulate the hats in the game. And people also contribute. And this is the wild thing. Well, Valve contributes $1.6 million per year for the prize fund of the International, which is the biggest Dota 2 tournament every year. This past year, in 2015, TI5, the International 5, had a prize fund in excess of $18 million. 
So once you subtract Valve's 1.6 million, that's 16, 17 million dollars of people just contributing because they love the game and because they're buying stuff inside the game. Because they have this compendium thing where you buy trinkets and cosmetics and fun things in the game, and at the same time you support the players, you support the prize funds. Do Do you think? And this is kind of like my final question. Do you think that ten years from now, Dota or something akin to it will be on the level of say hockey, like? that it'll be something that people regularly watch on TV or by then not TV streaming. Well, I I think I just answered that, but go ahead, because I think I just set up for what's currently happening on Twitch and everything else. Well, that's the thing, because we're talking about two strands and two developments in the tech world. I, I think on the one hand, you're absolutely right that in 10 years time, streaming rights online are going to be more important than TV ones. But that's not really your question. Your question is whether Dota will be, as an entertainment, a mainstream pursuit. And that is a much more difficult one and one that I'm hesitant to answer in the positive. I think it will still have a very strong following. I think League of Legends will also continue to have a very strong following. But at the same time, we should consider things like StarCraft, which is absolutely enormous in Korea, in South Korea. It's pretty much their national sport, to be honest. But at the same time, it isn't the national sport in terms of primetime national television. It isn't quite that far out. And I do feel like all of these games, because they're complex, because they have a high barrier to entry, essentially, which is that complexity, just can't make that crossover into the mainstream. Like you, you, you look at a hockey game and you immediately get it, right? Maybe you don't see the puck, but you get the point that everybody's chasing the puck. What are people chasing in Dota? Like, there are some heroes, I'll give you an example. There are some heroes who want to be damaged in order to damage their enemies. So sometimes there'll be a guy running into the opposition, blowing himself up, and his teammates will celebrate that. And you'll just, your mind will be like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that, I think for me, what makes it kind of difficult and I could be wrong here because I, de- I don't actually know, like, how uh, taking the other team's side uh works i'm that i'm like that far gone but you're right in hockey the goal is just you see two sides and their goals and then you get the puck in the goal and it can happen a lot in the game and it's easy to like focus on that very very simple strategy while in those games it feels like the individual strategies of every player and every character they play is almost as complex as a sport itself in that 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 there's just so much more to learn about the rules in in an e-sport than there is in a traditional sport which maybe i'm wrong because i mean rules in baseball and football and everything can be totally crazy but but the top level game seems a little uh simplified no you're absolutely right um I have been thinking about that and a good analogy actually is magic the gathering like think about how many cars there are and how many interactions there are between one card and the next card and your opponent's cards and how all of that works. Magic has a very dedicated, very loyal following, but it will never be a mainstream game for exactly the same reason that I don't think Dota will ever break into the mainstream. You have situations and you have setups that, like you say, if you don't understand step one, step two, and step three, 
when the crescendo hits and you get to step 10, you're like, where did that come from? So in musical terms, it's like a bass drop without any buildup. And and that's, that's why a whole bunch of people just aren't going to understand it. But I will leave you with one final thought about Toto. And that is that to me, you know, as many hours as I've played, I can't say that I've ever played the same game. You know, it's kind of like if somebody went and added up all the hours they spent in the cinema, it's not like you're going to the cinema and watching, let's say, Star Wars every single time on and on and on and on and on. And it's the same thing with chess. It's the same thing with listening to all sorts of music because you have just so much inside of this game. You can always have a new experience. You can always learn a new thing and you can always, you know, be lampooned by a 12 year old. So the experiences are always unique. And that's just the thing that keeps us coming back. If it was an absolutely repetitive drone, most people would have left by now. I think that's a good place to end. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. Where can people find you on Twitter? At Vlad Savov. Perfect. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at What's Tech and on TheVerge.com. We have a new episode every Tuesday. We are on all podcasting platforms. So I, I recommend you listen to us wherever you'd like. You can always find us on iTunes uh, and leave a review. It goes a long, long way to getting the show out to more people. But we have a tradition now of recommending other shows for you to listen to and review. Uh, so I'm going to do that. I, I think that you should listen to this week Reply All, uh, one of my favorite podcasts out there. Uh, and I think you should listen to Sawbones. Uh, and I'm not going to say a whole lot about either because they're both really interesting and you, you know what, you don't need to be sold on it. You can just trust that they're great and you're going to go check them out. I want to go uh, give a thanks to our producer, Andrew Marino, and thanks again to eJunkie for sponsoring today's episode. They help you turn your passion project into an online business with their easy-to-use e-commerce tools that support both digital downloads and tangible goods. Visit eJunkie.com to start selling today. Enter promo code TECH, as in What's Tech? That's the podcast that you're listening to right now, to get a free 30-day trial. Happy selling. That is it. Until next time, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Ba ba da ba da ba